I know what you've been thinking. You've been thinking, Andrew, why have you been so focused on the news the legacy media wants you to be focused on that you aren't talking about Pfizer admitting that they had cancer-causing material in their COVID jabs and they didn't inform Health Canada about it? Well, don't fret, friends. We have that story and even more on the COVID jabs, a story whose rotten stench lingers like a skunk that's been killed on the highway, except the skunk won't cause you to die suddenly and make your heart explode. We also find that Christian institutions continue to be captured by woke ideology and will help expose their godlessness. We'll also close off our show with current stories in Canada, some good, some bad, but all of them definitely newsworthy. It's October 26th. I'm Andrew DiBartolo. That's Matt Halleck. And this is Liberty Dispatch. Hey, hey, and welcome back to Liberty Dispatch, broadcasting across enemy lines into the Canadian culture war. We're so thankful that you have joined us yet again on the program. As always, we want to remind you that all our programming is brought to you in partnership between Liberty Coalition Canada and Christian Week. LCC exists to proclaim Christ's justice and righteousness and to defend those who stand and Christian Week exists to provide a practical, balanced, hope-filled perspective on national and global issues. If you do appreciate our podcasting work, which I am so thankful that so many of you at the recent King and His Kingdom conference uh, got the opportunity to share with us that you had, we would ask that you would go over to libertycoalitioncanada.com slash donate. The reality of our situation in Canada is that with bills like Bill C-11, Bill C-18, and the looming Bill C-36, which is a Orwellian anti-hate speech legislation that would make internet hate speech so-called uh, crim- a criminal offense, um, the reality is that we need your support to be to ensure that we're going to continue to bring you the programs that I know so many of you have really, really, really uh, appreciated uh, over the last little while. So we do want to encourage you, if uh, if you can, please consider leaving a donation uh, over at libertycoalitioncanada.com or if you would uh, scan the QR code at the bottom of the page. All things Liberty Coalition Canada are over at libertycoalitioncanada.com. I actually have to update this graphic because if you go over to libertycoalitioncanada.com, you will actually see we have a brand spanking new website that looks wonderful that I got some good feedback from as well. And as always, we are over at the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network, the FLFnetwork.com. Go and check us out over there. I know you will like uh, everything that's going on at the FLF Network because they have tons of content, especially off the heels of their annual FLF conference. Um, Andrew, before we get into the nitty gritty today, I just want to say I really, really valued the ability over this last weekend to gather with uh, the saints across this nation, especially in Western Canada, um, to to sing hymns of praise, to listen to 
absolute fire sermons that proclaimed the glories of Christ and his kingdom and the necessity for entering that kingdom through repentance and faith and the new birth. All of that was just a real blessing. The, the, the people over at Fairview Baptist Church in Calgary, Tim Stevens Church, did an absolutely remarkable job putting on the event, much like the, the crew at Trinity uh, Bible Chapel did uh, in Waterloo a year ago. So it was a wonderful time. I really, really loved getting to meet so many people, to hear the stories, to put names and faces to the view count. Um, I said to many people, you know, most of my job sitting behind a computer, hacking away at keyboards and, and everything. Um, so it's just wonderful to hear the impact stories that our ministry has had on so many of your lives. And with that, I just want to encourage you, if you didn't get a chance to stop by the booth, if you didn't get a chance to see us, uh, please drop me uh, a link at mailbag at libertycoalitioncanada.com. We would love to hear from you. And if you were just at the Kingdom of King and His Kingdom conference, let us know how you enjoyed the experience. What were your thoughts? That is definitely something that I want to know. But before I hand it over to you, Andrew, I, I do want to put one imperative on uh, our listeners. The, our Lord Jesus Christ tells us to love our neighbors as ourselves. And if you have benefited in the way that I've heard so many of you have from our programming, I want to challenge you to share to hit, to smash that like button, to do all you can to ensure that your neighbor, that the people in our country, whether <laughs> friends or enemies, are getting the content that we're producing. Because if you guys are benefiting for it as much as you have said, we want others to benefit from it as well. So please do like, subscribe, and share it out with people. Challenge you, do it five people. Give, give the program to five people or one of our old programs that really, really benefited you. We want to encourage you to do that because that will help us continue to grow and expand and hopefully continue to produce content like we have been uh, producing. Yeah, we are. Uh, we're less than a week away from the Spark Conference happening in beautiful South Carolina. So I'm pretty sure you can still register for it if you haven't. If you are in and around South Carolina, or looking for an excuse to travel to South Carolina around Reformation Day, yeah, it's October 31st to November 1st. Uh, tickets are available at SparkConferences.org. They are fifty dollars. Mike Teeson will be there. Dr. Joe Boot, pastors Tim Stevens and Nate Wright. I was just on the phone with Nate this morning. We were talking business, and he was saying, "I'm just—he's <laughs> like, I'm just in the car on the way to. I'm going to be going to South Carolina, and uh, Andrew, I didn't have a lot of time in meetings, and so I figured I'd call you up and chat. So he's looking forward to it. It's going to be good. James Kitchen's going to be there. Mm -hmm. It's going to be a wonderful time. Make sure you sign up for that. I also want to uh, kind of whet your appetite. Wet, 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 wet. Yeah, I want to <laughs> whet your appetite a little bit. Um, there are some things, there are some events that we have planned for the new year for the first half of 2024 that are going to be marvelous. And so I'm just going to throw them out there now. I have just reached out to pastors across the country. I've sent them information, promotional graphics as well. 
regarding Biblical Sexuality Sunday for 2024. Mm -hmm. In fact, if you go to our website, libertycoalitioncanada.com, and if you click on the initiatives tab and you go down to Biblical Sexuality Sunday, you'll see the new graphic for this year, the, the date that it's set January 14th, Sunday, January 14, 2024. We have our form as well for pastors who plan on participating. Fill out the form, and it also allows you to put a link to your sermon or your website so we can have a database. So Biblical Sexuality Sunday, in light of Bill C-11 and Bill C-18 and Bill C-36 that Matt mentioned. The Afro, the, 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 the ones past Bill C-4 that criminalized. Yep. Exactly so more, what we're and more, doing. Reason, more and more reason <laughs> for us to say we will stand firm on God's Word. So that's happening. There are also three single-day conferences that we have planned around the country. So they're all happening in the spring of 2024. We're going to be dropping in three locations. We're going to be in Nova Scotia. We're going to be somewhere in Ontario, and we're going to be somewhere in British Columbia. And mm -hmm. we are calling it our Politics in the Pulpit Conference. It's a single-day conference happening at three different locations in the country, literally coast-to-coast coast and in the middle of the country. <laughs> and this single-day conference will involve several speakers specifically discussing how Christians can think biblically about political engagement, what churches can and can't do, and very practical, tangible ways to get involved in political activism. We're going to have more information coming out soon. If you're in Nova Scotia, Ontario, or British Columbia, keep your ears open. I mean, even technically, you can be anywhere in the country and come join. If you're if you're in the Maritimes, yeah. everything's just a couple hours away, anyways. So more Which, information coming out. It's gonna be it's gonna be really good. We have some some big plans for this coming spring. Which on that note, Andrew, uh, I actually literally that entire from Nova Scotia to British Columbia and in between, we had all those people coming up to the booth and, and saying how much they've enjoyed our programming and the various initiatives and legal uh, advocacy that we have done through LCC. So again, if you do find value in our work, we would ask that you would please prayerfully consider leaving some support for us so we can continue to make CBC's nightmares come true. <laughs> Uh, yes. <laughs> yes. So keep an ear open. There's going to be more information on these events. We we want to equip the church in Canada. We want to strengthen and encourage and embolden pastors. We want to help Christians stand firm. So we plan on doing some good work this year. Uh, stay tuned for more information coming out soon. Amen. Friends, are you sick and tired of listening to our banks and other government-sponsored institutions parroting the same old status words like safe and effective, ESG, diversity, inclusivity, and equity? Do you really think they're looking out for your investments when they can't even define what a woman is? What you need to do is check out our friends over at Rocklink Investment Partners. They're an independent Christian firm focused on managing your investments as long-term value investors. They're not caught up in the bureaucracy of the woke financial institutions. They're comfortable going against the crowd and speaking up for Christian values. This is why Rocklink was our very first advertising partner here with LCC, and we're proud to admit that. So give them a call, 905-631-5462, or email them, info at rocklink.com. That's link with a C. 
Brother so Jonathan was at the uh, the conference. Yes, he was. He was also uh, he was also. I saw a picture that he posted yesterday with Jacob Martiniago, who's also at Rockling. He's a good friend, good uh, yeah. good reform boy, boi. Uh, with him and Mike together at the live episode of uh, or the the live filming of the other club mm-hmm. last night, which hopefully will be dropping this Friday very, very soon. Yeah. So from time to time, I like to take it upon myself to remind people and and you, our audience, mm-hmm. that even though it feels in many ways that we're back to normal, whatever normal is, whatever. <laughs> Whatever the weird normal is that we have. Yeah, the new horrifying dystopian normal. Yeah. <laughs> Things set in motion and pieces that were set in place during the COVID era are lingering and will be long standing, the effects of which are going to last quite a while. So, I mean, what we've learned about our medical establishment and legacy media will forever affect Canadian culture. I, I was just, just this morning, I was having a discussion with mm-hmm. some friends at church and they were asking questions about my wife and the babies being due and when, you know, are they thinking of inducing because she's so far along and there are twins and she's, you know, she's 40. And so they were asking, do the doctors have a plan? And I said, yeah, their plan is they would like to induce, you know, at 38 weeks. And then I looked at them and I said, but I really don't trust anything. They say, if they're telling me that my wife needs to, we need to induce within the week, they also told me to cover my face and put poison in me. So there is a thorough distrust for the medical establishment and the legacy media that has come out of the last number of years. And I think much of it is warranted. Mm-hmm. I don't think we oh, need to be, a, well, be fully skeptical about everything. I think a little bit of distrust is well is, is fair. Andrew, on that note, I, it is totally they're they're bad. I talked about this with so many people. Is that a lot of people who had never really even thought for a second about a lot of the stuff that we cover on our show um, are now extraordinarily worried about just what you're talking about. And the it's their bad. They've wrecked the inter- institution. They've wrecked their own reputation. That's something mm-hmm. that they have to own and stop passing the buck as though it's some sort of uh, conspiracy theorists and some sort of a misinformation scheme that has destroyed their reputation that only makes it worse is when you do something to discredit yourself and then you won't have humility to admit it and to change course to repent uh to use a biblical term uh it only further cements people's distrust in you and now the one thing that i will say andrew is I know that the amount of vaccine knowledge that most physicians have is very, very, very limited, despite right. how, how the pretense that they give off. So I will say that, you know, in one sense, uh, when it comes to vaccines, a lot of these doctors were engaging in ultra crepidarianism, which is uh, speaking authoritatively outside the scope of their knowledge and expertise. But, you know, I'm sure you know, I would hope OBs or uh, pre- doctors uh, that are delivering children um, would actually be speaking within their realm of you knowledge would, in that you, case. You but. would you would think so, but they also <laughs> told my wife that it was safe and effective for her to get the jab while she was pregnant. So that is also all, true. <laughs> yeah. So it's all it's also now that has come out of the COVID era. Yeah. Right. Our now. So that's the that's the media. That's the that's the medical establishment. Our elected officials at all levels, municipal, provincial, federal, they have shown us 
that they cannot be trusted, whether it's, and there's a little bit of a spectrum here, and people fall at different places, whether it's negligence and ignorance, best case scenario, or outright malicious intent and corruption, worst case scenario, it ultimately doesn't matter. They have lost our trust, and it's going to take at least a generation or two to actually rebuild some of the trust that's been that's been broken. Now, if there's one area where the negative consequences will be severe and cause great grief presently and for a while, it will be surrounding the experimental COVID injections. Information continues to come out that makes the jabs infuriate people, and I include myself as well in that. Now, Dr. Byram Bridal, the Associate Professor of Viral Immunology in the Department of Pathobiology at the University of Guelph. Uh, we need to talk about Dr. Byron Bridal. He has been banned from entering his laboratory for over two years now because he was a dissenting voice amidst the COVID narrative right from the beginning, very early on. Well, he released something on his Substack recently, and we also have links to LifeSite News covering the same story because this is this is huge. I mean, this is breaking massive news that I'm 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 not surprised that the legacy media isn't really talking about it because this is significant stuff. So this is what Dr. Bridal posted on his Substack quote. I am astonished. Canada's health regulatory agency has made a stunning admission about Pfizer's COVID-19 shots. They seem to be grasping reality again, at least for an issue that is a big no-no in the regulation of novel medical products. For Pfizer to manufacture their mod RNA, so their modified RNA, they use a form of DNA that comes from bacteria. It is called bacterioplasmid DNA. This is used to make copies of the mod RNA that then get packaged into the lipid nanoparticles. This bacterial DNA contains a genetic sequence called the SV40 enhancer. SV40 because it comes from simian virus 40. The virus from which this genetic sequence is derived has been implicated in causing cancers in people. It was odd that this was put into the bacterial DNA because its intended function is duplicated by other non-controversial sequence or by another non-controversial sequence. So pause for a second. Pfizer used a bacterial DNA that is known to cause cancer. Okay. Dr. Bridal continues. Here is where things get really ugly. You mean, you mean that's not, that's not the bad part? No, it's not friends. Pfizer was required to disclose to health regulatory agencies all of the bioactive sequences in the bacterial plasma DNA that they use to manufacture their, so their shots. Pfizer did not disclose the presence of the genetic sequence from SV40. They Ooh. did not. So here they have immunity from liability mm -hmm. under the pretense that they informed health agencies about everything they needed to know. And we've just found out that Pfizer did not disclose that they had cancer causing agents in their shots, which might 
explain some of these crazy super cancers we're seeing. Um, turbo cancer turbo is what Dr. Dr. Ryan Cole in Idaho calls a, path a pathologist there. Turbo cancer. I wonder what it. the legal ramifications of this will be, Andrew, whether or not that kind of uh, will give a legal avenue to kind of take away some of that immunity that they enjoyed from uh, Operation Warp Speed. Uh, we'll, we'll see. But the, the the insanity, Andrew, does not stop there. Here is more from Dr. Bridal's substack. Uh, this is what he had to say. Here's another bombshell, as if what we just told you was not enough. A friend and member of my research team, the incredible Canadian virologist Dr. David Speicher, just released a preprint article today. The results of Dr. Speicher's research are profound. He generated the largest data set to date on this topic using the vials from multiple Canadian batches of both the Pfizer and Moderna shots. Every single one was contaminated with the bacterial DNA. He also confirmed the presence of SV40 enhancer sequence in the contaminating DNA in Pfizer's Canadian vials. And this is hot off the press. He is the first to test a batch of Moderna's newest booster, COVID-19 shot. It was also contaminated. Although Moderna's bacterial DNA does not contain the genetic sequence from SV40. So this can is confirmed by LifeSite News based on the reporting of Epic Times. Uh, they have this to say: the presence of poly polyomavirus simian virus 40 SV40, which is a monkey link DNA sequence known to cause cancer when it was used in old polio vaccines, has been confirmed by Health Canada to be present in the Pfizer COVID sh uh, shot, a fact that was not disclosed by the vaccine manufacturer to officials. As per an email that was sent to the Epic Times, Health Canada said, quote, it expects sponsors to identify any biologically functional DNA sequences within a plasmid, such as SV40 enhancer, at the time of su submission. Quote, although the full DNA sequence of the Pfizer plasmid was provided at the time of initial filing, the sponsor did not specifically identify the SV40 sequence. Health Canada added, Health Canada noted it was quote, possible for Health Canada conf to confirm the presence of the enhancer based on plasmid DNA sequence submitted by Pfizer against the published SV40 enhancer sequence. So this is something that Health Canada knows about, they're aware of, um, but nevertheless, even without this full profile, even with really obviously good due diligence health canada continues to push these insane gene therapies and is responsible for injecting millions of canadians with a vaccine that is clearly yeah. not safe i and i don't know what's i don't know what's worse is it worse that <laughs> pfizer withheld it i mean so they so that right that right away is this i mean this is massive yeah this should be everywhere 
Yeah. All of all of the socialists and the left who have for years and years have been wailing against big pharma and the corruption of capitalism and, and, <laughs> and the pharmaceutical industry. It, they should be all over the fact that Pfizer had cancer causing agents in the jab and didn't report on it. I mean, mm. that's that's crazy enough. Yeah. Yeah, I can't help but think uh, like I, I, I want like you see Hulu's dope sick and then uh, Netflix released the kind of exactly same documentary about um, about Oxycodone and, um, you know, Purdue Pharma and the, the supposed corruption, uh, you know, that that you can see behind there, which which I largely agree with. But the what struck me in watching these uh, documents document like kind of made for TV documentaries, uh, which are largely fiction, sadly, um, and blow a lot of things out of proportion. Nevertheless, though they're exposing this corruption in big pharma, which were like, yeah, duh. But the cognitive. <laughs> cognitive dissonance between that being released during the pandemic and then what we're seeing in the pandemic is just so astonishing it it beggars the mind that <laughs> that people yeah. could be so foolish not to understand and connect those two things but so yeah i don't i don't know i don't know what's worse the fact <laughs> that the fact that health canada didn't do the diligence didn't do what was required to really find out what was going on and they just said ah whatever fine we'll you know we'll accept mm -hmm. it or they did know but they didn't care i don't know i don't know if it, one's worse and andrew, than the other to be honest with you andrew it's kind of worse than that based off of some programs that obviously mike and deanna are having right this type of uh, knee-jerk reaction to vaccines that are new and untested that's being pushed by Health Canada as the new standard, right? So, so it's worse than that. All of this, it, what we're seeing now, yeah, especially now that this has come out, they should. Oh, let's put the reins on this. Let's let's <laughs> let's slow this down a little bit here. Now that this has come out, which we but, probably won't see. But that is the exact opposite of what, in theory, they're actually doing. Um, not only in our country, but then especially, you know, if as it pertains to the WHO agreement and everything like that, that's still trying to be pushed um, at a global level. So extraordinarily uh, concerning, obviously. Yeah. Now this is this is where all this really matters. This this is why this is why we cover this. This is why this matters. Why Canadians care about this. So Dan Hartman is a father in Ontario. He's filed a $35.6 million lawsuit against Pfizer after his 17-year-old son, Sean Hartman, died after receiving the COVID jab. This is from LifeSite News. According to an October 16th report, new Tecumseh resident Dan Hartman filed a wrongful death lawsuit against vaccine company Pfizer after he revealed that a U.S. doctor declared that his son, Sean, died as a result of taking the experimental COVID shot. On the morning of September 27, 2021, 33 days after receiving the Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 vaccination, Sean Hartman was found deceased in his bedroom by his mother, said lawyer Umar Sheikh in a court filing viewed by the Western Standard. The lawsuit comes after Hartman announced in July 
that an American pathologist determined that the novel COVID-19 jab was responsible for Sean's sudden death. Sean had received the experimental jab because it was mandated by his local hockey league, a bunch of cowardly, pathetic, all these organizations that, that, that went along with this are despicable. And I, I hope to see them fail economically. And I hope every parent pulls their kids out of this hockey league and that it collapses into nothing because they, they said you can't play hockey if, unless you put this poison in you, even though you're healthy, just despicable. Anyways, according to Hartman, after his son died, he applied to Canada's vaccine injury support program, but was denied. Of course, quote, they said there is no proof the vaccine killed Sean. There's also no proof that it didn't. In order to appeal, I had to have medical evidence. Thank God above that all you people who helped me. Sorry, thank God above and all you people who helped me. I do have that medical evidence, noted Hartman. Sean is reported to have suffered from multiple health problems immediately after getting the jab. His problems included myocarditis, a form of heart inflammation. With the lawsuit, Hartman is seeking $35.6 million in damages, specialized damages, pre-judgment and post-judgment interest, court costs, and any further relief which the court considers to be just. According to Sheik, Pfizer, quote, owed a duty of care to Sean Hartman to accurately inform him of all risks associated with the Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 vaccination. But as we've just found out, they don't they didn't they didn't they didn't think it was important enough to tell everyone that they had cancer causing monkey bacterial DNA in the shots. Truly unreal stuff. And, and I mean, again, I think you're right in calling down fire and brimstone on this hockey league. You were you were an institution that had institutional power and instead of advocating for the rights of those playing hockey in your league you use that institutional power to bring a heavy yoke upon those who were signing up paying you good money to join your league and this is the outcome shame on you shame on you you are responsible for this and you have blood on your hands for going along with this even if you were ignorant of all this you still are culpable in dealing with this. And, uh, you know, I'm praying that uh, they'll get a good settlement and everything. It, notice uh, it, we, a friend of the show, uh, Dr. Peter McCullough, I think he's appropriately understanding the situation better than, you know, uh, obviously VISP, right? VISP is saying, no, 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 we're denying your access because there's no proof that, this was a direct cause uh, from the vaccine, but that is never, ever, 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 ever the way historically that we deal with vaccinations and other experimental um, therapies during essentially a test period, right? It, Dr. McCullough says it's the vaccine unless otherwise proven that in in other scenarios, if you're testing a drug or a vaccine or whatever, and if you have an unrelated incident, uh, say like a car crash, they would historically blame that on the vaccine, even if there isn't a direct um, 
it isn't a direct result because of its close link. But now we're seeing again, and this is the concerning part that we're trying to highlight. As concerning as these revelations are, the the fact is they're trying to change the standard in in medicine to say no, no, no. It's it's unless you can prove a direct cause based off these drugs, we do not believe, we're not going to hold anybody liable, and we're not going to give you any damages in this case. That is totally upending the proper medical standards and protocol that we have seen put in place. And when we talk about, guess what? The medical industry has to wear the egg on the face. They have to wear the dunce cap. They have to... um, you know, take responsibility for the loss of institutional trust, which, as you've made mention, Andrew, is something that takes decades to build and can be lost in a moment, and it will take decades to restore. They have to wear that. Unless if they come out and totally repent and and actually um, be transparent and, and you know, even... Um, suffer the consequences of their poor actions unless that actually happens they don't deserve anybody's trust and that's their fault it's not conspiracy theory it's not misinformation it's none of that stuff it's on them and they were responsible for for using as as i said their position of authority for the betterment of their neighbor and instead they used it for the harm and profiteering of uh, the harm of their neighbor and the profiteering of big pharma companies. Despicable, despicable, despicable. But that's why we ha- we need this program, Andrew, because we're covering this and not many other people are. If there's any kind of silver lining I think that we can see in this is that and I, know, I know the Toronto Star was reporting on this, that, that rag that used to be a legitimate <laughs> newspaper at some point. No. At some point, like at the very beginning, yeah. like for a day, for a day yeah. or a week. Until they started printing articles. Um, yeah, but they, they apparently more and more Canadians are getting off this COVID injection merry-go-round and the percentages keep going down and down and down for people who are getting their booster every six months, which is which is good. I'm, I'm, I mean, mm-hmm. I'm glad for that. We don't want to see increased, you know, unnecessary death because of this injection. However, uh, even this 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 good news of people getting off the merry-go-round i I, i'm curious to see what happens in the future once the thumb comes down on climate stuff or the thumb comes down on lgbt stuff and this this is a call for us at this stage to to look back at the last number of years to see the results of safe and effective we're in this together we're doing this because we care about you we don't want to spare any lives now we see the now we see the whole picture a little more a little more clearly that we're prepared the next time the next time the same mm-hmm. play comes for health and prosperity and well-being and crisis and blah 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 we are better prepared to stand firm and say no mm-hmm. it is better to pay the short-term consequences for abiding by conscience and doing what's right mm-hmm. than suffer the long-term consequences i.e. seeing a 17-year-old son die it's it's better not to play hockey mm-hmm. than it is to die at 17 and i think we're, we're i hopefully we're in a better position to say mm-hmm. we're not going to be duped again and we're not going to comply and give in because we're actually dealing with matters of life and death here before we move on what a better episode to share with 
your friends and family and maybe those who disagree with you the news that is coming out right this is confirmed by health canada we're not making this stuff up this isn't misinformation share this episode hit that like button because this is the perfect episode for you to share with people that disagree with you because we're bringing the receipts it's there for them to see they have to deal with this information and maybe lord willing this will help move more people into that camp that you're talking about andrew of people who are you know this is absolutely saying i'm getting off the train so i just want to encourage our listeners to do that what if there was a way to trade your resources and skills for whatever things you need and want without using money well that's exactly what you have with barter it a web app where anyone can connect person to person and barter with each other you don't have to keep track of who owes what and you won't get the headaches that come with straight one-on-one bartering just create your profile on the barter it web app offer up your skills and products to earn bits in your private wallet and use your bits with anyone else in the Barteric community. $1 Canadian is equal to one bit for valuation purposes. Head over to libertycoalitioncanada.com slash barter and click on barter it for individuals to learn more and sign up today. Become a VIP and you will get $1,500 worth of perks and bonuses, including 1000 bits, for only $197. Join the community. LibertyCoalitionCanada.com slash barter. Well, Andrew, it appears that both evangelical and Roman Catholic institutions continue their leftward lurch. Uh, they're marching in full speed towards the new woke religion, and it's extraordinarily concerning. Megan Bash, Megan Basham over at the Daily Wire, friend of the FLF network, I should add as well, who has been doing great work exposing the corruption in Big Eva. Um, she has reported on political donations from staff over at Christianity Today, or as we prefer to <laughs> call it, Christianity Yesterday. I actually like to call it, Andrew, Christ- Christianity Astray. Um, nevertheless, whatever <laughs> moniker you want to attach to them, what we know is uh, Christianity Yesterday is a woke, godless, horrible institution and uh this is what megan uh had to say from the daily wire uh about their support of candidates and parties who love destroying and murdering babies so here's the story between 2015 and 2022 nine nine christianity today employees made 73 political donations how many, Andrew, pray tell, how many do you think went to the Republican Party? Well, considering considering the Republican Party, though not though not sinless, has has mm. a platform that seems to line up with with Christian beliefs. I mean, what one would say statistically, looking at how votes have played out in the last several elections, mm-hmm. I don't know, half, maybe, maybe 40, maybe 35 one, of the 73 that i mean that would be reasonable that would seem to be statistically yeah a, that's a reasonable assumption totally give it well i mean given the kind of uh traditional voting patterns of christians in uh modern day mm-hmm. usa one would think 50 would even be very mm-hmm. low but get this andrew 
73 political donations were given, and all 73 of them went to Democrats. This tally includes President and CEO Timothy Dalrymple, who gave $300 in two separate payments to failed Georgia Senate candidate Sarah Riggs Amico. Amico's platform, which includes protecting abortion without exception. There you go, Dalrymple. Good job, buddy. Uh, Dalrymple was not the only member of the magazine's executive ranks to donate to Democrats. No, of course not. Natalie Laterhouse, vice president of advertising and partnerships, apparently she likes to partner with the devil, contributed $50 to the 2020 Biden Victory Fund. The Federal Elections Commission has no records of any Christianity today executive giving to the GOP since get this 1991 so obviously when we say Christianity astray it's been that way for a long time two editors at Christianity Today to contribute contributed to Democrats campaigns at the same time they were covering politics which pretty shady business between October 2019 and November 2022 news editor Daniel Silliman silly man better yet uh, made eight donations to five different pro-abortion pro-LGBTQ candidates among them Massachusetts Senator Elizabeth Warren's presidential campaign so just donating to that very wealthy, very elite socialist in Elizabeth Warren. On October 27, 2020, days before the presidential election, Christianity Today ran an article from Silly Man about former President Donald Trump switching his religious identification from Presbyterian to non-denominational. In it, he stressed that Trump, quote, was not a regular churchgoer before he was elected president and highlighted a poll showing that, quote, most Americans don't think Trump has strong religious beliefs. Silly man ended the article by citing critics who believed um who believed Trump's church change was politically motivated. In another article, in the run-up to the 2020 election, Silly Man spotlighted President Biden's Catholicism and quoted progressive theologian Richard Mao, oh, come on, Silly Man, opining that Biden is viewed as having authentic faith, despite obviously going against clearly stated uh, Catholic dogma. Anyways, when he talks about his faith, it rings true. Silly men then tied Mao to conservative Christian icons Chuck Colson and J.I. Packer. So, when we say Christianity astray is full of you-know-what, obviously that is the case, and these just... These reports, Andrew, just confirm exactly what people who are paying attention have known for a long time. Yeah, the the last three years have been very clarifying. Mm-hmm. Very, I'm very thankful clarifying, for that. to say the least. Um, I'm thankful and, for and, that. And this stuff is especially well. I mean, Megan Megan Basham really took off mm-hmm. when she highlighted how the 
medical industrial complex basically used big mm-hmm. evangelicals. They they basically they prostituted out Which big evangelical characters. I put that in our in, yeah uh, like guys like Rick Warren, Russell Moore, Tim mm-hmm. Keller. Yeah, right. Francis Collins, who's supposed to be the Biologa statement. Yeah. yeah. So they basically they basically used Big Eva in order to push statism and COVID insanity, and so that's where she really got big. So she's. She's continuing to expose a lot of the a lot of the dirt, a lot of the sludge that's been under the surface for a long time. So we're thankful for that. Yes, Megan, then, come on our shows. <laughs> yeah, I should I should reach out to her. I should talk to Gabe and reach out to her and get yeah. her to come on. Please come on. So then we have Pope Francis openly supporting neo Marxist unscientific propaganda. This is from Light Sight News, which to their credit is a Roman Catholic organization that has no bones about calling out Pope Francis for his Marxism. This is what they say, quote, Pope Francis has published his second document on the topic of climate change, condemning human-induced climate changes and calling for obligatory measures across the globe to address the issue. Oh, boy. There must be binding forms of energy transition that meet three conditions, that they be efficient, obligatory and readily monitored, wrote Pope Francis, outlining his hopes for the upcoming COP28 climate change conference, which he highlighted as a potentially historic event. I mean, essentially, what Pope Francis just said is, we need 1984 to become a reality in the world with regard to climate change. That, that's what he just said. Um, LifeSite News continues. The Pope's text released October 4th, which is the last day of the Vatican-observed season of creation, continues several strong statements warning of the dangers of climate change and decrying those who oppose measures intended to lessen human-induced climate changes. Quote, We're not reacting enough as the world that welcomes us is crumbling and perhaps approaching a breaking point, said Pope Francis. I mean, your unscientific Marxism isn't helping, though. That's what's bringing about the, the, the crumbling and the breaking point. It is no longer possible to doubt human anthropic origin of climate change, wrote the pontiff. Drawing from intergovernmental panel, sorry, drawing from the intergovernmental panel on climate change, the IPCC, Francis stated that, quote, we have confirmed that in the last 50 years, the temperature has risen at an unprecedented speed greater than any other time over the past 2000 years. Close quote. He claimed that the human effect upon the planet was undeniable. It is not possible to conceal the correlation of these global climate phenomena and the accelerated increase in greenhouse gas emissions, particularly since the mid 20th century. Uh, and it's uh, it's not just the Pope that has embraced this wokeism, by the way. No, Roman Catholic school boards have also accepted what is essentially a satanic narrative that is anti-biblical and anti-creational. So this is from the post-millennial. The York Catholic District School Board is asking all newly commissioned principals and vice principals within its jurisdiction if they've received their copies of Me and White Supremacy and its follow-up workbook, 
White Supremacy, A Guided Journey. It's reportedly mandatory reading if a person wants to work with the YCDSB. Quote, the Office of the Human Rights and Equity Advisor is committed to continuing the professional development journey of administrators through the work of Layla F. Saad, author of Me and White Supremacy, reads a memo from the YCDSB Director of Education, Dominic Sculia. I said his name properly, even though he's a shame to Italians as, as an Italian. Sculia, it's, that's, he shames our people by being a woke parrot. Quote, if you have been newly commissioned, if you've been a newly commissioned principal or vice principal in August 2022 or August 2023 and have not yet received your copy of the two resources, Me and White Supremacy book and Me and White Supremacy, a guided journal, please email by Monday, October 30th, 2023. Me and White Supremacy is a book described in an Amazon, sorry, described on Amazon as an eye-opening book that challenges you to do the essential work of unpacking your biases and helps white people take action and dismantle the privilege within themselves so that you can stop, often unconsciously, inflicting damage on people of color and in turn help other white people do better too. So there are the That's broad, anti-racism, which is race Marxism. broad, broad big umbrella christian organizations whether it's the roman catholic church all the way from the pope whether it's catholic school boards including the school board that expelled josh alexander for saying that boys couldn't go in girls bathrooms the scandal of that statement mm -hmm. and you have big eva in, in protestantism captured mm -hmm. captured by wokeism well, corrupt pushing Andrew, lies peddling Andrew. in in demonic ideologies if that weren't bad enough i will link into the description below i extended um dialogue that dr james white has done on the new catholic commentary that has a forward by the pope pope francis that has a papal imprimatur on it which is a you know a thumbs up to this this commentary that contains in it every woke leftist pro LGBTQ argument as it pertains to human sexuality. This is straight out of the rainbow jihad uh, aping of Christianity playbook. And Pope Francis recommends it with his foreword and it has a papal imprimatur on it. So, ladies and gentlemen... Catholic friends, we know you you do listen to the show. The ball's in your court. What are you going to do? What do you do with this? Um, I would hope that we would respond um, biblically to this nonsense. But this and is kudos, kudos to LifeSite News. Oh and yes, Faith and Campaign Absolutely. Life Coalition. Yeah, they, no, because no they doubt. they have no problem calling out this madness that comes all the way from the top of the Roman Catholic Church. Yeah. Good for them. But mm -hmm. it, but but the point is to say that all branches, quote unquote, of 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 broad Christendom at at the highest levels, right? And all the obviously down in individual churches, but at the highest levels of these institutions are just they're 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 gone. They're gone. In many ways, it seems that the, 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 the cancer is too, too far spread to do anything other than it needs to be it needs to be removed. 
and we need and, nothing to do with it. And you know that that reality is undeniable. Um, but you know, polemically, that is far more difficult for the Roman Catholic to deal with than it is Correct. for the Protestant. Yeah. Um, so for, for us, and and <laughs> and and far easier for the Baptists than the non-Baptists because our radical se yeah. separatism and 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 Your congregationalism. Yeah. yeah. We're, yeah. we're, we are, we are, we are ready to say, okay, fine. We don't need any of you guys. We're in the best mm -hmm. position to do that, which by the, the 43rd way, Baptist church of, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's by the way, that's why I, in part, why I think that, that the vast majority of churches that stayed open were Baptist is because they didn't have to deal with some of the, some of the denominational issues, some of the Presbytery issues. Mm -hmm. They were just totally able to do their own thing. So maybe all that to say we, we continue They're definitely to more agile in that. In yeah, that we sense. continue. Yeah. We continue to expose a lot of the corruption and the nonsense coming all the way from the tippy top of, quote unquote, Christian organizations. Absolutely. So our federal government's response to economic difficulties has been to print money until it's worthless, driving up the cost of everything. If you haven't noticed, essentially stealing from your hard earned pay. They want to monitor our spending through centralized digital currency, and they want to control us by way of digital ID. So what you need to do is take control of your own resources and be responsible for your own money, which is your responsibility. Bull Bitcoin wants to help you do just that. Bull Bitcoin is a 100% self-funded, freedom-minded Canadian Bitcoin exchange that wants to protect your financial freedom and help you protect your resources. If you're at all aware of what's going on in our country, you should seriously consider connecting with our friends over at Bull Bitcoin. Sign up at mission.bullbitcoin.com slash LCC and have all of your questions answered. That's mission.bullbitcoin.com slash LCC. And you're definitely going to, you might have been already late. Had you not listened to us and got yourself some bitcoin you have missed out on reaping the reward of bitcoin apparently it's still going to go up people, people up. i know are saying that we still have pump pump vember yeah. up, 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 up vember is still on the way so you can still get on this train yeah um that, that, that's moving upward but yeah exactly it, it would have been better if you had listened to us a long time ago uh and and, and got uh got some bitcoin with our friends at bull bitcoin uh definitely I encourage you to do that and because I'm a gold bug. Go get some gold, too. Um, anyways, uh, we have more news to uh, can, uh, to to cover, Andrew, and this is kind of a rapid-fire session like we like to do every now and again where we just cover a few stories um, that are on the top of the news. So we finish our episode today with just that some news here in canada first on october 18th mps in parliament voted down a private member's bill bill c 314 that's c 314 that would have repealed the expansion of euthanasia laws to those suffering from mental illness so they repealed stopping the expansion of euthanasia for those with mental illness, so-called. So that's bad. In other words, the majority of our elected officials are okay with seeing people suffering with mental illness, spiritual difficulties, whatever they might be, 
and wanting them to seek doctor-assisted murder. That's the reality of Canada in 2013. Or 2023, pardon me. This is from LifeSite News again. With 150 votes for to 167 against FAST, that is the uh, MP that put this forward, his bill, C314, an act to amend the criminal code, medical assistance in dying, was defeated during its second reading in the House. All conservative MPs voted in favor of the bill, as did all left-wing New Democratic NDP MPs, a rare occurrence in Canadian politics. Only a handful of liberal MPs voted in favor of the bill, along with two Green Party MPs and one independent MP. The bill was defeated in large part by votes against by Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's Liberal Party and MPs for the Bloc Quebec Qua. So again, uh, Quebec is er, exercising quite significant influence on the whole of Canadian politics. Um, Nevertheless, uh, the article continues. Bill C-314 reads... Quote, this enactment amends the criminal code to provide that a mental disorder is not a grievous and irredeemable medical condition. Uh, sorry, that's ir- irremediable, pardon me, medical condition for which a person could receive medical assistance in dying. The expansion to include those suffering solely from mental illness came as a part of a 2021 passage of Bill C-7, which also allowed the chronically ill, not just the terminally ill, to qualify for so-called death, uh, doctor-assisted death. The mental illness expansion was originally set to take effect in March. However, after massive pushback, from pro-life groups, conservative politicians, and others, obviously, in Canada, the Liberals under Trudeau delayed the introduction of the full effect of Bill C-7 until 2024 via Bill C-39, which became law on March 9th. But nevertheless, our elected officials, thanks to the death-loving coalition of the Liberals and the Bloc Quebec, have pressed forward against uh, the wishes of many Canadian citizens with adding mental illness and chronic um, pain uh, and illness to the uh, list of prescribed ways for doctors to murder you in Canada with state sanction and funding. You know, it's it's a weird kind of cognitive dissonance that that exists within our federal government, because on the one hand, there's been a push let's say in the last five years, 10 years, especially mm-hmm. to, to not only demystify, but destigmatize mental illness, yeah. right? To say that the mental illness, it, 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 who, people could be suffering and it, it just may look normal, but it could, but it could be nor and, and not just situational, but people who actually struggle with real mm-hmm. anxiety, um, you know, real bipolar disorder, like people who actually have legitimate instances of mental illness, whether it's chemical imbalances in the brain, whether it's, you know, the brain not producing certain hormones, whether it's trauma, whether it's some sort of abuse in the past that affects a person, that that's not to be stigmatized. These people are not to be othered. 
It's not, it's not something you should be ashamed of. It's not something that you should look down upon others if they have. So on the one hand, there's been that which is good, but clearly there's a woke agenda behind it. So destigmatize mm -hmm. mental illness. But on the other hand, they're saying, but you can also kill yourself if you have it. Like that doesn't like if it's no. something that you're not to be ashamed of, that you're not to be afraid of, but you're supposed to work through and help and support other people, then you can live a normal life. You can still live a, a functional life even mm -hmm. if you have this. But on the other hand, yeah, but just kill yourself. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, so so I, I mean, which I, one is it? My former colleague at at, at at CCBR, I would actually really recommend that everybody go to endthekilling.com. Um, .ca, pardon me, today and check out some of the resources that, that they have there because former colleagues, Jonathan Van Maren and uh, Blaise Elaine, uh, they did a very helpful kind of workbook on youth euthanasia. It's very, very readable. It's very small. It will kind of give you some good things to think about. I would really suggest that you get it. I'll, I'll link it in the description just for ease. Um, but what the reality is, Andrew, is, yeah, with all this talk of mental illness, what our government is essentially is doing is giving pre-approval for the ment mentally ill um, to kill themselves with taxpayer money and funding to, to commit suicide on their tab. And what the, the book uh, by Jonathan and Blaze really does a great job of um, showing is uh, despite the, the rhetoric that surrounds this issue, like we want choice uh, to how we die with, uh, with dignity, what have you. The fact of the matter is ordinary Canadian citizens do not have the choice to procure medical assistance in dying uh, as Orwellian as that term is, they have to fit within the, the pre-approval of what the government deems um, <laughs> worthy of death. Right? So it's far from it being your autonomous choice to engage in this activity. That is a total nonsense. What this is, is the government drawing a big red line down the middle of Canadian society and saying, these people are worthy of death. Therefore, if they want it, we will kill them. And these people are not. That is an astonishing precedent and principle to set in our society. You're essentially giving the government of Canada the ability to play God, to determine who should live, or who should die on this side and who should live. That is unbelievably dangerous. Yeah. And that is why with all this talk of, um, you know, personal freedom and autonomy, it's utter bunkum. And this is a, a power that no government, no government, no government ever should be given because it's a power that yeah. goes far beyond even what they've been given in the sword power that they have been given by God. It's disgusting. It's it's something that if Canadians, if we value and love our neighbors as ourselves, we will fight back against this with every bone in our body. And there's the, we, we know why they want to do it with the elderly, because the, the, the CPC wrote an article a couple of years yeah. ago that yeah. showed that this is how much it would it's alleviate <laughs> the burden on the healthcare industry by killing old people. So we understand that. It's also curious that people who after going through the process of quote unquote surgical transition and after having gone through years and years of hormone treatment, if they then decide they want to kill themselves, then the government's okay with it. 
And the reason why I say that's curious is after all the money has been made through the surgeries and the hormones, then the state says, okay, now you can cure yourself. But interestingly enough, not before. So when mm-hmm. people talk about the difficulties, they, they're in the wrong body. I'm, 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 you know, I, I'm sad. I'm not accepted. Then the state doesn't say kill yourself. Then the state says, well, why don't you at taxpayer f- money? Why don't you go and have all the surgeries and the medication and have, have big pharma and, and the health industrial complex make a ton of mon- money. And then when it doesn't work, kill yourself. So we know why they do it with kids. We know why they do it with old people. And it'd be the same thing probably with those suffering with mental illness. It's probably, it allows us to save money and kind of control the population growth. So it, it's truly vile stuff. And the fact that our federal government would pull back limitations for people with mental illness to go and have a doctor help them kill themselves is pretty disgusting stuff. So finally, finally, and this is a little bit of a good news. We wanted to finish with a little bit of a little bit of sunshine breaking through the breaking through the clouds. The Crown has stayed charges against Tamara Leach for breaching her bail conditions. Now, if you recall, this is a little this it's 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 comical if it wasn't so infuriating. Part of her bail conditions were that she she could not be with fellow convoy organizers unless her legal counsel was present, lest they plan another amazing three-week-long Canada Day celebration with bouncy castles, music, and French toast. Heaven forbid they do that. So anyways, she was at a JCCF event in Toronto receiving an award when she took a picture with Tom Marazzo, one of said organizers, now, keep in mind, the JCCF is representing her at the time. In other words, she's surrounded by a bunch of lawyers, including her own lawyers, at a gala, at a celebration put on by the JCCF when the picture is taken with Tom Marazzo. Nevertheless, this photo was leaked, and if you can believe it, a homicide direct detective was sent to arrest her in Calgary with the photo evidence Except, and we covered this, he had no idea where the photo was taken, namely that it was an award celebration put on by her lawyers and legal representation team of the JCCF. He didn't know that. He didn't know that she was surrounded by lawyers because many police officers, unfortunately, have shown themselves in the last couple of years to be mindless, spineless stormtroopers who are just following orders, doing whatever they need to do to get the paycheck. Not all of them. But a good number of them have shown that this is who they are. So when you're given the photo and say, go arrest her, you do what you're told because you understand your job's on the line. Well, the Democracy Fund has released a statement on all the bogus bail charges against Tamara Leach now being stayed. Quote, during a brief court appearance today, the Crown informed the court that it is staying charges for breach of bail conditions against Tamara Leach pursuant to Miss Leach's bail conditions And as a condition of her release from custody pending the outcome of her trial, she was prohibited from having contact with other alleged organizers of the Freedom Convoy protest. During the June 2020 George Jonas Gala event in Toronto, the Crown alleged that she breached this condition by contacting another person the Crown contends was also a Freedom Convoy organizer. As a result, Ms. Leach was rearrested in Alberta upon issuance of a Canada-wide warrant. 
Miss Leach is on trial in Ottawa for mischief, counseling mischief, intimidation, counseling intimidation, and obstructing a peace officer and counseling obstruction. Un, but like this is unbelievable. Th those charges against her for planning an amazing three-week celebration of Canada. That this is levied against her. This is truly despicable. Our legal and judicial system in can in Canada. Anyways. The trial was originally scheduled to run for 16 days, with 10 allotted to the Crown and 6 to the defense. However, so far, the trial has consumed over 21 days of trial time without the Crown completing its case. The Crown advised the court that by staying the bail-related charges, it could devote time to completing its case on the main criminal charges which it, the the whole thing's a kangaroo. I mean, they brought in Zexy Lee, and if you, if anyone, if that name's familiar, <laughs> sexy, sexy Zexy Lee baby said not at all. Actually, she's pretty, <laughs> she's pretty disgusting because her internal ugliness bleeds through her external appearance. But Zexy Lee was actually one who testified at the inquiry into the War Measures Act being invoked. And she talked about all the violence and the terrible things that were said. And when she was pressed by counsel for the organizer, she had to admit a couple things. One, she herself didn't witness or hear herself any instance of abuse, of violence, of aggression from anyone involved in the protest. The mm -hmm. only violence that she saw was citizens of Ottawa throwing objects at truck drivers, assaulting them from apartment buildings. Mm -hmm. And the only instance that she saw of real aggression was herself telling truck drivers to go the F home and leave Ottawa. So here is <laughs> Andrew, a person Andrew, now can... brought into this trial to speak against what happened. Uh, uh, trying to get she... Mayor Leach in jail. Wasn't so I mean that's amazing. Just also general. a government employee, right? She I'm yes, pretty sure she's a government she's employee. A federal employee. Um, <laughs> pretty amazing stuff. But I also just want to highlight the fact I'm pretty sure she's the same person that said Ottawa was like the movie The Purge. And then she can't literally <laughs> cannot <laughs> then when asked, okay, well, explain this purge-like scenario. I think, she I think she talked about phantom honking as well. <laughs> I still hear it. Uh, every time Every time I go to the park yeah. and I see a goose honk, I freak yeah. out. It brings back memories. So, But you know what? In, if, in any event, the bail the, the, it was a bogus bail breach charge. It was just it was such a stupid mm -hmm. instance that, that she would be charged with this. So they dropped that. That's mm -hmm. good. I mean, we'll see how the trial goes with Chris Barber and, and Tamara Leach. But this, we just wanted to bring a little bit of a little bit of Canadian news and close on a little bit of a, a of a happy note. So, I mean, my, my my final comments about everything involving our episode today is this: with, with what we've seen with the corruption in our medical institutions, with the corruption in our evangelical institutions, with the corruption in our state institutions that want to pull back limitations for having people with mental illness murder themselves. This, this highlights the importance of small, local, community, involvement, interaction, and investment, right? If, if, if nothing else, the big large-scale institutions, the big powerful institutions cannot be trusted, cannot be relied upon, 
and are not seeking the well-being and welfare of the citizenry. They're simply not. Big Eva is not trying to actually strengthen the Christian church. The medical industry is not doing what's best for the health of Canadians. And the state is not securing and defending the rights given to the citizens by God. And by the way, this is supposed to be their job. This is what they said they exist to do. So mm -hmm. they're not doing it. So what do you do? Well, the first thing you need to do is you need to think small and local. You need to invest yourself in a local church that is like-minded, that honors Christ, and that thinks biblically about society, culture, and politics. And if you want yeah. to know where those are, reach out we to can help churches you. at libertycoalitioncanada.com. Yep. We can help you do that. And, and so you build relationships with other families. You sit under the, the, the protection and the direction and the discipleship of godly elders. And as you do that, you strengthen your family. You, you affect the community around you. You take care of one another. I mean, the amount of people who've offered vehicles and babysitting and meals and help in anticipation for the twins being born at our church is phenomenal. It's not just lip service. It's not just, oh, this is what we do, mm -hmm. but it's a genuine care for one another and a desire to support one another, even in difficult days, even in very trying and challenging days. So thinking locally in terms of your church, your community, your family is so vitally important because we cannot rely on big institutions to take care of us and protect us. Mm -hmm. They're not looking out for our best interests. The other thing you need to think about, and, and this kind of dovetails in some of the events we hope to run in the new year, is we need to be actively involved in pressing out the kingdom of God in the public square, in the, in the political sphere, and discipling the state, letting them know this is wrong, this is right, you can't do this, God's not pleased with this. We need to be like John the Baptist and say, even though you're king, even though you're prime minister, even though you're premier, you are doing what is unlawful in God's eyes and you must mm -hmm. repent. Mm -hmm. And so we need to think about that. Not everyone's going to run for politics, but yep. there are people in your church who do want to run. Support them. Pray for them. Donate Go to, to Christians them. that do, yes, net. <laughs> do door do, do door knocking. Help mm -hmm. them get involved in their actual campaign. Yep. Be involved in good, godly protests and activism, and we can help with that. Mm -hmm. If you're a pastor... Prepare to preach on biblical sexuality on January 14th to let the state know and to let your people know that Christ reigns supreme in your church and God alone gets to define marriage and sexuality. Think of, if you're going to be in one of these locations as we roll out more info about the mm -hmm. politics in the pulpit conference, mm -hmm. come out so you can learn how you can actually honor God in your cultural, social, political engagement. But you got to start small. You got to commit small, your local church, and then think about how you can engage in the public, in the political sphere for the glory of God and for the good of his church in Canada. If there's anything you take away from this episode in light of the madness coming from the top down, it's the importance of building and foundations from the bottom up, right? Mm -hmm. Top down is corrupt. Build something strong from the bottom up to be able to thrive and 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 grow in the days and weeks and years and decades ahead absolutely man well what an encouraging weekend it was to meet so many of you again i know you've benefited from our program please like subscribe share get it out to people 
as much as you can, especially given some of the news that we talked about on the front end of this program concerning the uh, experimental gene therapy and and the concern on the back end about the expansion of euthanasia. Um, we have to continue to get involved, as Andrew said, and uh, that is why we exist as an organization to help you do that, to help you facilitate uh, that. Um, and this is why we exist as a podcast to keep you informed and to spur you on to get active in your local communities for the glory of Christ and the advance of his kingdom. As we say at the end of our pro- program, Galatians 5.1. We'll see you next time. Liberty Dispatch has been brought to you in partnership with Liberty Coalition Canada and Christian Week and has been produced by SDG Media. You can find all things Liberty Coalition Canada at libertycoalitioncanada.com.